Welcome to another edition of Undercover Mental Health. On today's show, we have Michael Berry. Michael Berry is an author and a songwriter, and he suffers from disassociative disorder and PTSD. But before we get to Michael, I just want to thank a couple of nonprofits, headsupguys.org and women's health forward slash mental health.gov. If you're struggling and you're looking for coping mechanisms, please check those two nonprofits out. Michael, I know the answer to this, but what's the weather like in Sydney right now? The weather is fantastic. It's Mother's Day here. And after months of rain, which were good because they put out the fires, uh, we've had a few sunny, cold autumn days, and it is flipping lovely. Very nice country. You know what? Lots of snakes and spiders, which we're not used to. Bears and cougars where I live, no mm. problem. Spiders and snakes, uh, yeah. yeah. Everything that kills you here is uh, either on two legs or no legs. Well, I guess spiders have legs. I think they're officially like legs. They're not like some extra finger appendage. But the point being, though, is that, uh, yes, you do learn to shuffle your feet when you walk through grass. You are the author of Rooftops, and that book is filled with trauma, some abuse, addiction, 1970s. Tell me about that. Tell me about why you wrote that book. Ooh, the obvious stuff was we were in COVID territory, and I thought, oh, I know. I heard this story kicking around for a while, so I'll sit down and write it. And I thought, oh, good oh, you know, be a bit of a Stephen King knockoff. Who doesn't want to be Stephen King? No problemo. And then, strangely enough, it was on Mother's Day last year. In fact, it is a year to the day since I finished the first draft. And, uh, yeah, it uh, kind of took on a life, much like your podcast, it took on a life of its own. And so uh, I wrote it because I could, and uh, it was a heck of a ride. You see, one of the benefits of the, the, the dissociative state was, okay, yeah, do your thing, kid, go for it. So I just sort of sat there and let the story do its thing. So it wasn't really anything. I mean, I guess one of the questions was, how much truth do you tell? But I found a way to be able to tell the truth because it's a, a, a story told through a fantasy setting. Uh, that allows me to say things which uh, might be difficult to say given the circumstances. Uh, and also, you know, rereading it by, you know, you know the thing where you, you've survived it and then ah, it's no big deal. And then you look back on it and you go, oh, crap, that was awful. Oh, I forgot about that bit. Ooh, oh, yeah, and that bit. Ah. Eee. took me a long time to get to that that uh, story so i think i whatever it is it's right to be what it is so there you go who is storm seller uh it's a band of guys who play music where uh we've been around since about 2007 we've gotten close to canada we tried but we got uh, turned away at the border that's actually completely fictitious for anybody that uh, wants to give us a visa later on uh i didn't uh, think that uh, my life path would include doing that and it has, and boy, am I grateful for it because it's been really, really good. And it's also been, strangely enough, it's been a way to be able to talk to various people about the same sort of subjects. And it, it's funny how music will reach people in a way that other forms of conversation won't. I try to preface any comments that I make about subjects where I'm not trained, but simply experienced. A lot of the difficulties we face are in how we deal with pain. And pain is not strictly a physical thing. Pain's also danger. We're built for social interaction. We need 
positive social stimulus, especially during childhood. And it seems consistent in the literature and in the lived experience that early childhood trauma uh, makes a big difference in later life. So yeah, that's, that's one element. And if part of the symptoms that we have arise from how we manage the trauma we experience, how we manage the memory of it, and I think that's key. From what I've been able to work out, for some types of, of trauma memory, you don't really want to process it at the time because you're too busy surviving. Now, the thing is that if you haven't processed it, it's still there until you're ready to process it. And the longer you run from it, the fire is still burning. And that's the analogy I've used. The fire burns below. And until you get to a place where you're okay to actually address it, it stays there. You've got it sealed off. You have it compartmentalized. You're able to continue your life. I mean, I found uh, after I was able to get away from the circumstances of my earlier life that uh, I was uh, what I thought perfectly fine for almost a decade, except I had all these problems. And it was in looking for why am I having these involuntary behaviours that I then discovered what the relationship was to what I had survived and what it had, what I was carrying with me at the time. So I, I hope that roughly addresses the question, does it affect you? Does your early trauma affect you? Absolutely. What's the effect? In some instances, it's how you see the world. And in some instances, I think you still carry it with you until you're safe enough or have the capacity to actually process it and get rid of it. Could dissociative disorder be a result of post-traumatic stress? Oh, I think it's directly a result of post-traumatic stress. However, it's also the, the term dissociation starts to get into a little bit of consciousness. So everybody has dissociation. That's how time passes when you're not paying attention to it. You get in a car, you drive, you don't remember the first 20 minutes of the drive. You've been in a slightly dissociated state. So the question is, what, what function does it play? So if you look at this from a sort of evolutionary psychology perspective, everything that we have as a symptom is a way that, you know, for millions of years, our ancestors have thought, well, this is how we get out of it. So for example, I've got depression. Well, it's going to save me from going in and getting thumped twice. You know, depression keeps you inside. Agoraphobia, quite a rational sort of thing if you live in Pompeii. There are some good evolutionary reasons for why we have what we have. And uh, if you've ever heard the story of a farm worker who's been gravely injured and they've crawled four miles to summon help, they've done that probably in a dissociative state because the body goes, ooh, oh, yeah, let's not tell him about that injury yet. Let's let them kind of get to safety first and then we'll talk about it. So dissociation also has a plus side. Uh, I believe they refer to it as the flow state. There's good and bad elements of it. And I've, I've listened to a podcast by a uh, psychiatrist who, who mentioned the bad part of it is when you can't seem to be in your present in your own life. And the good part of it is when you're not really there, but you're getting your job done. How tough is it for somebody with dissociative disorder to get diagnosed? Pretty tough because I think there's a complication in how it presents, which is, I think the difference between one thing and another is whether it's involuntary. So there are, in the dissociative community, there are people who have what they call fictive personalities, which seem to be 
social constructs for them to see themselves through. And when someone says to you, oh, you have a dissociative thing, I don't have that. So when I got a diagnosis and I went, oh, yeah, it's not my experience. So how do I get treated when they're telling me I've got something which I patently don't have? And it's not that I don't, it's that it doesn't work the way that they say it does. And they're learning more and more about it, thankfully. Treatment's getting better, but basically the same treatment for, for PTSD, talk therapy. The, the thing we were talking before about, it's not necessarily a linear process, but to break it down into the simplest construction that I can offer, the longer you stay on the PTSD train, the further you go down the line. So for example, if you talked about uh, traumatic event, so thinking about using that framework of it as an injury, and I think uh, this is something we, uh, that uh, you might have touched on an email, which was the difference between PTSD and other forms of effect. And PTSD is almost always linked to traumatic event. So there's something that happened, getting over it, recovering from it and having a scar. So if you have this train line of, of let's say, PTSD, bad event, time to heal, you got over it, you remember it. Remember that time I went to the toboggan and I broke my leg and it was terrible and blah, blah, blah. If you have bad event and no recovery time, followed by bad event, followed by no recovery time, the effects are going to be different. And that is what brings you to complex post-traumatic stress. Because now your brain hasn't had the time to process this, to deal with it. You're getting wham, 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 and your brain starts going to triage. What do I do now? And the first rule is must survive. So I will chew my leg off in order to get out of this trap. Eventually, I will do whatever it takes to survive. Now, in my case, what I had to do was I had to minimize the enjoyment that other people were having from doing things. And one of the ways that I did that was by not being present. So as uh, I believe Gandhi said, you may have my body, but not my cooperation. Now, did the event occur? Yes. Was I injured? Not so as you'd notice, but how did I respond to it? How did I survive it? I minimized it through this strategy. And therefore, I stayed on the train long enough to develop this strategy. Now, for people who have higher levels of this, it gets so bad that they don't come back. And usually the reason you're not talking to them is because they're institutionalized. So the chief differentiator between a dissociative disorder and people who have other constructs for social survival is how it affects memory. I think that's probably the key to it. So for me, when I started looking into how this works, I maintain a perfect narrative memory. In fact, my memory is not necessarily my ally and I've never lost a moment of it. I, everything's on almost the heightened awareness that was required in order to survive was, was permanent vigilance. And it's like a camera running in your head and you never turn it off. And anytime you want to run that loop again, there it is. For people who have suffered more than I have, and haven't had the support that I've had, they go further than that. And uh, during the time I've done volunteer counselling, I've talked to some people who've been all the way out there. And uh, it uh, makes me think, <laughs> but for the grace of God, go I. I'm listening to you talk and I'm thinking about all the people, myself included, who have struggled with trying to sit down with a clinical counsellor. And with that story, I can't imagine how frustrating it would be to even get started looking for help. 
things sucked. I couldn't work it out. I couldn't get basic things done. Uh, you know, my brain is a good brain on most days. I had no idea what was going on. I think my story might be a little bit out uh, as a, a bit of an outlier. You know, so it's it's like a lottery winner telling you, well, you know, everybody go out and buy a lottery ticket. So, you know, it, it might not be directly transferable. Well, I had a very bad run for quite some time there. I uh, When I was trying to work out what was going on, I went along to see a doctor and I didn't realise that uh, he'd been struck off, was under his care, and he diagnosed me with shell shock. So he was a very Freudian kind of guy, had a full Freud beard. I mean, I live in Sydney, mate. You know, I haven't been I haven't been near a battlefield. That was dad's business. But he was right. It was PTSD. Now originally he diagnosed me with a different condition. And I thought, oh crap, that's genetic. I'm stuffed. And uh, he because he wasn't really up on the, the current literature and he did he didn't realize not only how much work they've done, but how much good they can do. So he was still using an old playbook. So after things didn't work, you know, so I'm I'm in treatment for 10 years and it's still not working. I'm still having all sorts of problems. And one of the biggest problems was panic attacks. And they were doozies. You know, call the ambulance. I'm having a heart attack. I'm going to be dead in five minutes type stuff. I went and saw a whole bunch of different shrinks, including a few that suggested to me, you know, one guy tried to explain some sort of dissociative stuff. And I went, oh, please give me a break. I'm not Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Don't be strange. The doc sat me down and I said, well, look, this isn't working. What else can we try? He said, hypnotherapy. I said, all right, let's give that a shot. Now, it turns out, you don't do that with people who have dissociative things unless you really know what you're doing because it can go wrong. And it went very badly wrong for me. And it wasn't, he didn't intend to do any harm, but basically he sat me down in a chair, said, you're safe. And uh, everything that I'd been suppressing came out. And then I relived my entire childhood for the next decade. And uh, I find it very difficult to even gauge it. The details probably explain it better than any of my explanation. If you've ever had a panic attack and then you have one after the other until you pass out and you do that every day for 10 years, then you'll get an idea of what it's like. Uh, couldn't drive, couldn't work properly, uh, you name it. My life was basically just holding on from minute to minute with, with periods of complete clarity. So I, you know, da, 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 yeah, this makes perfect sense. I'm fine. And then you'd sit there screaming for the next three hours. Uh, I used to have this thing that my partner called Flappy Bird, which is where I'd run around the house, flapping my arms. And, you know, the nature of this stuff was completely involuntary. I got lucky when I was attempting to uh, help dad uh, transition because of uh, dad's dementia. It turned out I was eligible for treatment under a government program for the children of Vietnam veterans. And I went along and I saw a doctor and the doctor said to me, oh, you've got CPTSD. I went, what? What's that? She said, well, you know, you don't have this condition. You have a trauma condition. A trauma condition? So that means there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. And she went, yeah, I thought I was going to have this for the rest of my life. I thought this was genetic, some sort of genetic thing. And that was the first time I had hope. I made a decision to remain on planet Earth as long as I dang well could uh, out of <laughs> sheer refusal to give anybody the satisfaction of anything else. But I was quite concerned that uh, I might not be able to 
function. I mean, a few of the times in the worst panic attacks, et cetera, I went into a state they call derealization. That's no es bueno. Don't go there. That uh, was basically, I thought, wow, I've gone mad. I lost, you know, that uh, sense of yourself, that voice that talks to you in your head. I lost that. Everything went. All it was just shapes and colors and sounds. And I thought, wow, that's it. I'm gone. And uh, then I couldn't even think anymore. And I came back from that three times. And I thought, oh, crikey. The upshot was getting getting help was important. Getting the right diagnosis was critical. Having the correct treatment even more critical and could have spared me quite some harm. So finding a trauma specialist is imperative. And then there's the other thing that happened. It helped. To be able to talk to you as I am today, about these subjects is virtually impossible. It's uh, bordering on the miraculous. The things they can do to help really do help. It's you helping you. They might guide, they might suggest, they might prompt, but you're doing the work. Nobody else can do it. They can't go into your head and find the worst, the worst moment of your life and ask you to walk back through it and to make peace with it, as horrible and horrifying as that is. You know, because the thing is that the soul rebels to be obliged to accept injustice. It's not our natural state, but almost in the same way as the trauma is about survival and the symptoms are the methods by which we've come away in one piece. We might be missing a few bits, (laughs) but we're still here. Eventually, the strongest power is that one to forgive self. You've got to get to a place where that's okay, where you can make that happen. That's different for every single person. You need a lot of support from friends and family to get there too. Yeah. The way you talk, uh, I think it's helpful to a lot of people to hear because you're strong enough to talk about it. But if somebody, if somebody is suffering from disassociative disorder, how would you advise them to get started to try and find help if they thought that they might be suffering from that? The trick for me was why isn't the stuff working? So I just kept looking for why what I was doing wasn't working. If you experience trauma and you seek trauma help, you'll get it. It will help. You got that uh, in Canada. Do you have that uh, game of pick up sticks where you, you drop a bunch of sticks and they all exactly the same thing? You process out some of these memories, things get a little easier. Being a fan of uh, Vandercock and uh, the body keeps the score, treating the body, treating cortisol, doing these complex PTSD, a whole range of different symptoms. What did I have? They gave me a diagnosis sheet. It looks like an overlong list at a Chinese buffet. But each of them were symptoms, agoraphobia, uh, depression, blah, 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 blah. It's a whole list of different things. They're all symptoms of the same thing. So rather than trying to go in there and get specific, just sort of find out. Now, the, the dissociative stuff, really was more about you you see the symptoms of it to know that you have it so freezing for example you're perfectly well you're perfectly healthy everything is fine and you're sitting there for three hours staring into space because you can't move 
a stressor comes up and you can't deal with it, you just freeze. You just sit there. Now, that was my biggest problem amongst my biggest problems. Firstly, just go get yourself sat down, talk to somebody about what's, because it doesn't really matter what your symptom is. It's all pretty much the same treatment. Treat the body. The yoga is, is a blessing that has helped me enormously. And I've, I've understood why is because it puts me in uh, for, for what is my bugbear. Uh, I'm able to now deal with uh, physical discomfort without it then triggering memories of other forms of physical discomfort. So every person is unique. Every person is a lock that deserves its own key. And you'll find that you'll say, you'll go to a doc, you'll say, this is what's bugging me. And then you'll start to unpack it at your own rate. So if, as you go through, you think, look, I've got some of these other symptoms it's still the same treatment. So even if it doesn't really matter whether it's the really bad stuff or the less affecting stuff, it's the same treatment and the treatment helps and you'll feel better. And I think that's a, that's a good thing. If you look at what Bessel van der Kolk and Gabor Mate have done together and they look back into the childhood, Body Keeps the Score is a great book for first responders. A lot of first responders look at that because they became first responders because of their childhoods and they wanted to become helpers, but they never dealt with the childhood. So now when they become first responders, they go to all these traumatic events that becomes a Pandora's box for them to have a meltdown. Uh, I'll give you another one. Here's one for you. We can have different reactions to the same thing. What is the, the water that boils the egg softens the potato for some people who experience traumatic events, that energy propels them into pro-social actions. For some people who experience traumatic events, that propels them into antisocial behaviours. If you look at things like uh, the Iceman and uh, the interviews that were done with him, and uh, this is one of the things I've had to ask myself because I've looked at my upbringing and I've compared it to other people and I've gone tick, 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 but I didn't wind up in the same place. And I've had to ask myself why. And the answer is because one, I had empathy and two, I actually had exposure to grounding love. So that was my story. I do a fair amount of support for uh, veterans and for some of them, when they experience injustice or bad things in their life, that energy propels them to want to go out and do something about it, to become a first responder. And so, yes, they might still have something that's in there, but just because you've experienced trauma, doesn't necessarily mean that's doomed you or damned you. It may have actually made you that which you are because now you get it. Now you get something that other people might not understand. So maybe good things arise out of these bad things in some ways sometimes. You know, and I think uh, there's a, a teacher of mine who said, is it baggage or fuel? A lot of people that listen to the show do suffer from anxiety and panic attacks. And Wim Ha is a very interesting dude, but his breathing is very helpful mm. when it comes to things like panic attacks and getting in the now and slowing that down. What can you share that helps you with your panic attacks or anxiety? Sheer bloody mindedness. I uh, thought I was going to cark it every time. I worked out a protocol with a doc, which was if I thought I needed to call the ambulance, call the ambulance. Uh, 
I only really did that the once and they turned up and they tested me five ways from Sunday. Physically, I was fine, but uh, you couldn't convince me of that. Everything I tried didn't seem to matter and it wasn't relevant. It wasn't real. All that was real was this horror, this thing. And uh, all the strategies that I used, uh, I had uh, a calmative pill. Ice packs really worked. Anything, you know, some, some, some form of somatic therapy. So anything that I could do to break the connection, uh, exercise that didn't lift my heart rate, because that was part of the problem. My heart rate would go up and I'd be, I wasn't in a position to turn these things off. I was in a position to live my life while I experienced them. I couldn't stop it. After the hypnotherapy, I lost the ability to mask. I lost the ability to filter. I lost the ability to suppress any of this stuff. That was it. The lid was off. And then I live. If you've ever seen a middle-aged man sobbing his heart out, trying to choose a packet of cheese at the supermarket, c'est moi. Yeah, for our bilingual Canadian listeners. So the advice I have, uh, geez, be kind to yourself about it. Even if it's frustrating, even if you hate yourself because you think I'm suffering so, be kind to yourself about it. Kindness is the only thing that uh, will get you through. Kindness and patience. Because if we could turn this off, I had one of uh, the people from my past say to me, why don't you build a bridge and get over it? And I responded to them, when this is not part of my every single day experience, I'll be glad to talk to you. On and on forever, first and last thought of the day, a good day is one without you on my mind. You know, so stick with it. It can get better. There are things you can do. It's going to suck. There's nothing we can do about the fact that it sucks, but it passes. Even when you believe it won't pass, it passes. I'm grateful that people take the time to come on the show and share their stories. Thank you for having another Commonwealth member on. And, uh, you know, don't be a stranger. Well, that wraps up another edition of Undercover Mental Health. Please hop on Amazon. Check out Rooftops by Michael Berry. A very, very interesting read. Awesome book. Thanks so much for listening. Take care. Thank you.